This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Ben Cultural Tourism Fund. If you are listening to this podcast, you probably love, appreciate, and care about our local forests and the animals that live in it. Many people have asked questions about the work along our mountain biking and hiking trails. In this podcast, we have put together a series of questions and answers with our guest Melanie Fisher from the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project in hopes to provide a deeper understanding and appreciation of what it will take to keep our forests healthy. I'm Kira Corbett, and today Kevin English and I have put together a series of questions and answers with our guest Melanie Fisher from the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project in hopes to provide a deeper understanding and appreciation of what it will take to keep our forests healthy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melanie. I am really excited to talk a bit about forests. Me too. Thank you for having me. So in riding in the Phil's area, we're all seeing a lot of the tree thinning work happening. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on and what kinds of things are taking place? Of course. So forest restoration is what is happening. And when you're out in the Phil's area, this is known as the West Bend project area to the forest restoration world. And the plan is to thin out the number of trees per acre to match historical levels prior to European settlement here in Central Oregon. (laughs) So this will allow the remaining trees to grow larger and stronger as they were prior to the last 100 years. And there are three parts to this project. The first one is tree thinning. The second is mastication, which is also known as mowing of the forest floor to remove excess uh, bushes. And then the third part is reintroducing fire to the area through prescribed fire. So together, if a fire came through the West Bend area, which is right on the edge of the city of Bend, this helps the fire stay on the forest floor versus burning hotter and higher through the trees, killing the trees and potentially bringing the fire into town. And just to share, the West Bend project is 26,000 acres, and 17,000 acres of that is where the commercial thinning work is happening. And you'll see that it's being broken up into sections, both to limit the number of trails and roads that are closed at one time, but also to create workable forest blocks that are sold to contractors to do the work. And the actual work started on the ground about nine to 10 years ago, and it'll be another five to 10 years until the initial project is completed. And uh, just want to note that it's going to be ongoing forest restoration for a while to deal with the effects of the last hundred years of forest management. Melanie, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we're talking about how we're managing the forest, we're really talking about the eastern cascades forest because that forest management as i understand would be different than let's say the coastal mountain range of oregon is that a true statement a hundred percent and you know the scientists that we used uh to get all the data on how this forest looked historically is uh happening here central to central oregon because when you go over to the other side of the cascades the amount of rainfall that happens over there is very different. And so the types of forest we have are very different as well. And so we are definitely focusing on um, the climates that we have here locally. Okay, so if we educate somebody on the forest here, 
they should not take that knowledge and transfer that knowledge to the coast mountains and go, why is it not going on there? A hundred percent. I mean, the amount of trees per acre that can live on in the coastal ranges over there and here in central Oregon are extremely different. And even to the point that the, the science that was studied for um, something like right at Phil's trailhead versus up in uh, mid mountain, maybe Winoga swampy area to then even higher up near Mount Bachelor is very different. And you'll even notice that the types of trees in those areas and the plants on the ground are very different as well. Why is this work taking place? There are so many reasons, but I'm going to summarize this. Basically, prior to settlers arriving in central Oregon, the West Bend area experienced large and small, low severity, not these crazy wildfires we're seeing now, on average of every 15 years. Then, after settlers arrived, the same area was negatively affected by logging and tree farms, and by removing fire from the forest for decades through total suppression policies. And our current forest is seeing the effects. Although if you didn't know it, you would think the forest is healthy as it is full of trees. You know, wildfires that came through the forest typically traveled along the ground, burning just the grasses and bushes that put nutrients back into the soil. It moved around the trees without climbing up into their crowns, the top, and stopped most seeds that hit the ground from growing. Because what we're seeing now are basically every seed that hits the ground is turning into a tree. And to share how different it is, historically records show that the range per acre was 32 to 60 trees per acre. We are now seeing 120 to 170 trees per acre and up to 300 to 500 trees per acre in some places. So, and you know, having this many more trees is having a negative effect towards a healthy forest. So currently the trees are fighting each other for water. They're at greater risk to drought stricken tree mortality, the beetle outbreaks that we're seeing, disease, and also tree killing wildfire. The trees are growing slower, they're dying faster, and they're fighting for sunlight. So to all the cyclists, the next time, next time you ride, pay attention to how many trees still have their lower branches because normally healthy trees will drop their lower branches as they grow taller and unhealthy trees keep them to gain sun exposure, but that also allows fire to climb up their limbs to burn into the trees and kill the trees. And, you know, all these trees are crowding out the grasses and plants that wildlife eat, making it really hard for them to find food right now. A couple of other points as well is that our overgrown forests are making it harder for firefighters to reach and stop wildfires. And so just a little summary to restore our semblance of historical conditions where the trees in the forest was healthy, we need to make the forest more resilient and resistant to climate change, wildfire, insects and disease, while also being better to store carbon long-term, restore functional wildlife habitat, and watershed conditions and maintain a viable workforce, all while maintaining the social values and recreation interests that we have being able to go out there and and ride our bikes. So Mel, one of the counter arguments I've heard is if we thin the forest, if we masticate or mow the forest, we now have removed shade cover, therefore the forest dries out quicker, therefore 
when the forest dries out quicker, it's now more susceptible to fire. What's how would you respond to that? You know, there God, there are so many ways to respond to this, but what we have seen in past fires, the Millie fire outside Sisters, the B&B fire, and a few other ones, areas that came through that had had the full range of restoration all the way through prescribed fire, the fire changed. When it got to those areas, it dropped to the ground. It dropped out of the trees, went to the ground, started moving slower, and also made it a lot easier for the firefighters to not put the fire out, but try and manage it and control it more. And so, you know, in some areas, and if it's super windy, there is a chance that, um, you know, fire can act stronger. But um, when we do all the work, that's when we really see positive changes. Yeah, that's super interesting. I didn't realize the kind of comparison from the historical standpoint to today. So riding through the Phil's area, it looks a little different and some might maybe label it as looks a little destructive. Will this area recover? It will. And, you know, there's actually a lot of places that the trails and the roads go through that you can't even tell that the same exact work happened. Now, like the grasses are growing, the flowers are growing and everything. The trees look happier. So, you know, the, the request is just to give everything a couple of years and things will come back. Due to the tree farms, you know, there's a lot of machinery that was brought in to, to move the land around. And now it's making it harder for the contractor's machines to go through there. And so it just looks really torn up. But when you have a sense of what the forest looks like historically, which was open stands of very large trees with the grasses and wildflowers, you know, it makes sense that the current conditions are creating a mess to clean it up. So we just ask that everyone wait a couple of years and uh, come do the same ride again and you'll have a completely different experience. I believe so this work is being coordinated by the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project. Do you want to describe a little bit about that and maybe what your role is? Yeah, of course. So I wouldn't say the work is being coordinated by the collaborative, which the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project, I'm just going to call it the DCFP. Um, as we actually work hand in hand with the Deschutes National Forest to get the work done. And a little history, prior to the, the DCFP being created in 2010, local timber folks and environmentalists who all agreed that forest restoration was needed did not see eye to eye on how this work should look. And they had real hate for each other. It was pretty common for these groups to not agree on any forest restoration project and instead would fight each other in court. So this is a pretty common problem, not just here in Central Oregon. And so Congress came together and offered to fund 10 trial collaboration groups across the United States to help them move beyond their hatred and find common ground to implement and then monitor, watch a collaborated shared vision for a healthier forest. And through a lot of work, the Deschutes National Forest actually won one of these 10 spots which, as I mentioned, started in 2010. So now there are 19 local individuals from environmental, watershed and forest products groups, private landowners, local government, state forest agencies, firefighters, scientists, and recreationalists. Um, we come together initially to learn how to work together and now to use the science and history of the area to create restoration prescriptions 
specific to the forests surrounding our Central Oregon communities. And so once everyone agrees, and I, I will admit there were some tears when we came together and agreed to this, these prescriptions are then passed on to the Deschutes National Forest, who uses them as guides for the restoration work that we're now seeing in West Bend. And I just love to put in there, like, it's the restoration work is really expensive, including the costs of the Forest Service staff and actually doing the work. And without the outside funding, our, lores, our local forests would continue to grow out of whack. So without all this funding, the work would be cost prohibitive. Personally, I've been involved since 2013, when as past co-owner of Cogwild, the local mountain bike tour company, I joined a field trip with the Forest Service and the DCFP to learn how the restoration would affect our trails. And as we were walking back out, a wildland firefighter thanked everyone for being there and explained the importance of the restoration, that if a lightning strike hit farther out in the woods and created a fire, if it was windy, the fire could move extremely quick through our forest, making it really hard to put out. But also, all the cyclists who could be out there for the day on the trails, on the roads, there'd be no way to let them know or even know where they are and potentially get them out. And I just envisioned myself, my community, our visitors out there, and I got really involved after that. So that really hit home. I originally just was part of the outreach subcommittee to explain why the work was happening. And now, since 2015, I hold one of the recreation seats on the actual committee. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Yeah. How do we hope to manage a lot of the force work in the future? And will there be more thinning within the 10 to 15 years? And are there going to be controlled burns or will the forest be self-managed? Good question. I mean, we hear this all the time. So to answer your question about more thinning and burning, the answer, in my opinion, is a celebratory yes. This work is going to continue. And I hope everyone who's hearing this also understands the importance of the work. Forest being treated now will require more work in the future. Currently, most of the restoration is happening near our communities because we want to make sure if a fire is coming through, that you know, there's a better chance to put the fire out before it comes into our towns. And But we need to spread the work across the forest, especially to the areas where the lightning strikes more often hit, which is higher up and farther away from towns. We also need to ramp up the amount of prescribed burning that happens every spring and fall if we want to get to a place where the forest can go back to managing itself. Previously, the Deschutes National Forest has been averaging about 5,000 acres of controlled burning a year, although in 2019, we got up to 20,000 acres, and it was a huge success. Uh, not a lot of smoke made it into our communities, and it went well. So going forward annually, this is how much needs to happen annually to even catch up with the areas that have been thinned but not burned yet. And to explain, thinning and mowing is great for the tree and wildlife health, but we need fire in the forest to fight against wildfire. And again, to also put nutrients back in the soil for wildlife food sources. You know, there's now a lot of science showing us how through fire the forests stay in balance prior to Smokey the Bear putting every fire out and lack of management allowing too many trees to grow. And unfortunately, stopping the fire in the forest has done a lot of serious damage and it's gonna take a lot of work to correct the overgrowth of trees across millions of acres to turn things around. So 
Thinning will be part of our eastern dry forest until sections that are overgrown, overly dense, and unhealthy are a minority. So yeah, again, everyone who's hearing this hopefully will support the work. And yeah, there's a ton of information out there for those that want to learn more if they still have a lot of questions on why the work's happening. What the Forest Collaborative is doing is based in research, based in scientific study, and it's not just a one-off because in some of my research is also shown like the Nature Conservancy is advocating programs and coordinating programs like this in Arizona. So there, this is being done on a national level based in science. Do I have that correct? Yes. And, you know, everywhere you go, what the science looks for, like for that area is going to be different. Um, but the goal of a collaborative is bringing all those people together that have all the knowledge from all the different angles. I mean, the timber industry, I mean, they have a lot of knowledge, like how quickly the trees grow from different angles, but also we need them to do the work because if they don't cut the trees and take them out of the forest, we're not getting the work done. So if we don't bring everyone together to share their knowledge and that's not just their opinion, but actually this is the work that we've been doing. The scientists, you know, the people that are representing all the different groups that come together, you know, no one's going to believe them. And then the work would stop. So we really are focusing on the science. Yeah. Where can people go to learn more about the project and forest health in general? There are a lot of places like in general, but although every forest is different, so there is information specific to Central Oregon, the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project does have a Facebook page, and we are in the process of updating our website. So there is going to be a new website coming out in 2023 that will have a lot more information for all levels of students wanting to learn about this. We also created a website with a lot of our partners here in Central Oregon, that's centraloregonfire.org. And when fires are happening and in the off season, this is a great place to just learn about everything. If you are wanting to know about trail closures or just area closures for the roads as well, bendtrails.org is a great place to go. And then for those that want to learn about the program that is created, the Deschutes National, you know, our uh, collaborative forest project, you can look for like collaborative forest landscape restoration program on Google. And you can also look for the five-year report and the 10-year report. And it talks about not just us here in Central Oregon, but all the collaboration groups that were created. Thank you so much. It's really thankful that you've given us an opportunity to talk about this. Dirty Free Hub is a nonprofit organization fueled by your generous contributions. Find us at dirtyfreehub.org.